Hello, this is Ryan with All Thread Voice with episode six, the podcast about business, life, and strategy. Hopefully, you'll be inspired to do it yourself or just sit back and listen. Thank you for your patience with us. Uh, hopefully, you had a good Memorial Day. Uh, we're a little bit behind on recording episodes, and we appreciate you guys listening and sticking in there, and we're grateful for everyone that is listening so we've been telling a story in a different manner instead of going chronologically we've been going location by location because we think that it's important to tell it by location because it seems like every time he moves to a new location there's a new strategy or a new thing or a new growth point that he's got to overcome so by telling it by location we feel like it's better to cap- capture the information instead of going by topic or by year um, so hopefully you guys can stick around and you kind of follow, follow our logic as we go through geographically. Um, we, we also want to talk to you about a little bit about All Thread. Thread. We have a couple of new subscribers. We're showing a lot of people listening and we're really encouraged by that. So All Thread is a print shop located in West Michigan. Um, it's a family owned business. We have four people currently due to the current situation. But we normally have 12 employees working at the business. Um, so hopefully you're enjoying as Ted's telling his story about American Share Store and All Thread in the early days. And hopefully you guys can, you know, our gals can pick things up. And hopefully you're inspired by this. And we'd love to hear what you guys think. You can always send us an email at show at allthreadinc.com. That email again is show at allthreadinc.com. Once again, thank you for subscribing to the podcast. Thank you for the positive support and feedback. And hopefully you enjoy this week's episode. So, how was your week today? Or this week? Yeah, it was, it was a good week. It seems uh, like we're kind of getting back to normal, I guess. And orders aren't what they once were, but we're working every day. And, um, yeah, just kind of getting used to the way things are. <laughs> I noticed on the last podcast that I would you would ask a question and then I would say yes, then no. And it's like, well, which is it? And I got to thinking about that and wanted to bring that up this week is that when you ask a question, there's the right answer. But the thing with business, sometimes the right answer isn't the way to go. For example, I was talking to you this week about a small printer that operates uh, his screen print business, business out of his house, and he appears to be making a living doing it. He's working out of a, he said that he has like a mother-in-law's house on the property, and he gutted it and set it up as a screen print shop. So if he's making a living and it's working for him, a lot of things that I talk about, the efficiencies, watching the counting, things like that, they don't really apply to him because he's happy doing what he's doing and it's working. So that's a yes and no. Is Does accounting matter? Yes, but possibly no for that guy because what he's doing is working. And that's one of the things that I got to thinking about the last podcast. You know, some of the answers, they seem confusing. Well, I think everybody's risk profile is different. Right. Like, I think some people are going to make more decisions because they can tolerate more risk. And the thing is, like, you know, I I think one of the criticisms could be, like, how I make decisions is I'm more risk averse, but... I like to know when I get into a decision or making something or setting up up an operation, I can control all the risk. If I can't completely understand it, then I don't want to do it. 
And that was kind of like my thought process with some of the stuff that's going on with with the situation going on, people making face masks. Well, when you start getting into like personal protective equipment and sewing it and trying to like sell it, there's a lot of layers that go on there and you could easily become tone deaf, deaf, tone deaf. Um, and you don't want to get into something that you can't fully control. I think something like that was something I couldn't fully control and didn't fully understand it and didn't want to come off or have something go wrong that I couldn't control. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because I think you hit the nail on the head. Ultimately, business is risk. You're taking a gamble. You're 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 buying something hoping somebody will buy buy it, or you're you're providing a service hoping somebody wants that service. So ultimately, it gets back to a gamble, gets back to a risk, and. It depends on where you are. It's like you said, if you're risk averse or where your tolerance is for risk. And so that affects, I think, some of the answers when I say yes and no. Well, yes, the right way is this way, but this is what we did or this is how I see it. And that's why I give you the yes, no. Yeah, and also I think it depends on your experience too. If you have more experience either running a small business, you know, there, you know there's a small business and then there's the trade that's behind it. like. You know, you have the trade of making of running an auto shop and repairing cars, but you have the business side of it. You know, you may have 20 years of repairing cars, but you might only have a year in running a business. And so I think each decision has to kind of be filtered through that. You know, you might make some decisions because, you know, you have experience repairing cars. So some of those experiences that are going to be tainted are filtered through that lens where if you have a lot of business experience it's going to be filtered through that so i think it depends and especially if you're doing something that really kind of hasn't been done before and it really isn't like a precedent for that like you know i felt bad that maybe each restaurant like when we talk when i talked about restaurants you know i kind of felt like i was generalizing restaurants but i think there's kind of there's some precedence in like restaurants and automobile repair shops construction there's there's things and there's bellwether in industries that you can look at as an example. But if you're in an industry where there's not really good examples of what you're doing, you kind of have to write the book. Yeah, exactly. And it's like when you're a first or second generation business, if you're first generation, you're making an, an, a lot of decisions and mistakes on your own. There's nothing really to follow. Or if you're second generation, then you know you have your parents or whoever started the business you got their information and what they tried and you can add that to the mix yeah one thing too i want to talk about you know with last podcast we kind of touched on different things and again just want to wrap it up for people is you know especially when we were talking about the growth you know there's different ways to grow a business there's the vertical growth which i've talked about before is you know, you're taking different industries below you. You know, when you have a product that's made, there's going to be, you know, transportation that to get that product there, there's going to be manufacturing in, there's going to be the, the retail and the wholesale of that product. And so the vertical integration is you're taking that segment and then you're going to start doing it for yourself and then you're going to grow the business. And the idea behind that is if you have somebody do it for you, they're going to charge you a, a markup. Well, you could reduce that markup by doing it yourself, growing, and then get more money into the business. And that's, that's the goal. The other way of doing it is like the horizontal 
um, growth. And a good example of that is Mitsubishi. If you look at Mitsubishi, they're into TVs, toaster ovens in Japan, cars, ocean-going freight. So they're looking at industries that are not really to their core value of what they're doing, and they're just kind of getting into them. And I think GE is a good example of it because GE is known for the light bulb, but they're also doing aircraft engines. They were doing refrigerators for a while. Like That's a really good idea of horizontal growth is you can bring on a profit center that may be kind of adjacent to what you're doing and then bring it into your, your core business. And when we were talking about the growth in your third location, the post office, you had that decision was either to bring on a profit center that was, you know, adjacent to the towels or kind of more adjacent to the, the process. And I think you brought on a a business or a profit center that was adjacent to the process. You're already shipping stuff before. And so if we're good at shipping things, it makes sense to go to a shipping store. And that's one way to horizontally grow the, the business. And I think that one of the key takeaways from your story was that you found out that as a sole proprietor, doing that horizontal growth is not a good way because now you're fundamentally running two businesses that they may share shipping, but a lot of the other structures in the framework aren't similar. So then you kind of pivoted to the vertical growth model by doing the producing of the the flower sacks themselves. Yeah, exactly. Because I, yeah, you're talking about Mitsubishi and and they do containers and cars and different things. But I think when companies do that, you need to set up their own identity, their own business plan, has somebody run it. As a small business owner, you're you're dividing, you know, your time and your resources up. And, you know, like I brought up McDonald's and the Egg McMuffin. Well, that did not really change their business because they were still cooking and it was still in line with what they were doing. So as an addition, they weren't like trying to do McDonald's and then, you know, get into another business, sell furniture or something, something totally unrelated. It was something related in what you do. And that's why I think we've learned you got to stick with your core competency and what you're good at, not, you know, go out and like, I know a trucking company that also owns a hair salon. I mean, they're not related. So the hair salon would have to be set up by itself and, and somebody dedicated to running that. And then they can focus on the trucking company and then they open a third or fourth business and each entity has their own identity. And I think that's how GE and Mitsubishi do it. Yeah, and, it's, and I think the old adage applies is that anything that's worth doing is doing yourself. And if you don't fundamentally know how to do it, then you don't know the standard of what it means to be doing it right. Right, exactly. And you need to find people that do understand it. And yeah, totally. So we've been kind of telling your story in a kind of a weird, different way. We haven't been talking chronologically or going... Um, 
by years. What we've been doing is we've been telling the story of American Share Store and ACS Homework more geographically, um, going by each location from the basement to the garage, the post office location. And then where we're at in your story now is 654 O'Malley Drive. It's a commercial location that you were sharing with a couple different businesses. And I think each location that you're in has a very interesting learning point. And I think what we talked about last week was, you know, growth and how to grow a business. You had some, some different strategies and kind of struggles. And I think this week is, you know, you talked about it in the last episode was somebody gave you advice to move in to the new O'Malley Drive location. And what I kind of want to start out the podcast with and this episode with is talking about advice and kind of some of the people you've gotten advice from and kind of what that effect has been on the business over the years. Well, one of the first was from the SBDC and Dave helping us out understanding stock turn, understanding accounting better, seeing the value. So, so I think Dave was fundamental in the beginning as far as advice and understanding what it takes to actually run a business and to be profitable so that was huge for me was was dave and then uh when dave said that we need to put some money in inventory um and he said you know reach out to business people that you know or do not know just reach out and see if you can find somebody that will help you out with uh some money and you can you know invest into your business, the inventory, um, because the numbers, you know, reflect that you'll be able to pay them back and the business is profitable. And then that person, uh, being a seasoned business owner, that person taught me quite a bit. So what what did you learn from the investor that invested into the building? Well, he told me that, Dave told me that we need about $40,000 worth of inventory because my stock turn was not fast enough. I, it was taking too, learned, too long to turn my stock. And um, so we needed to increase the inventory and get our turn. I believe we're trying to get down to six weeks. I believe I was at like 90 days. So I buy inventory and time we totally flushed through, it was about 90 days, but we had enough orders that we could turn it quicker. So he said I needed about $40,000. To me, $40,000 might as well have been $40 million. It was a ton of money and it's a ton of money I did not have. And I really did not know anybody that had 40,000. And he said, well, what you need to do is just reach out to some doctors or dentists or business people just ask people you know whether you know them or not um you know show them your business plan and just reach out to them and see what they got to say and and that's what i did and i found a business person that was seasoned um had many years in business and he was no nonsense type of guy and and taught me quickly that, like you said, you were asking about the reality of making a paycheck and what was that like? And that starts to set in that this is real and you owe money and and uh, you got some responsibilities. But when you meet somebody 
that has been in business a while and seasoned, and they have maybe hundreds of employees or a very large operation, that's on a different level. And then you get really serious. Um, they, they look at things a little different because they got a whole lot more on the line. Um, you know, a lot of people, I don't know, sometimes I wonder if there's a negative attitude with people that have some money or some bigger businesses, but these people from what I've met and what I've seen, this is my experience, they're acutely aware that they have hundreds of people's paychecks on the line. They have buildings on the line, trucks, they have a lot of assets that they're responsible for. So if they make some dumb decisions or bad decisions or do things inappropriate even, uh, it's going to hurt a lot of people and they're very aware of that. And so things get serious real quick. They, they don't mess around because they don't want to hurt anybody. They don't want to cost a lot of money. They realize the stakes are high. They, they don't forget that for a second. And that's one of the things that I learned. And it's really helped me to, to keep, I don't know what term you want, you know, head to the grindstone or whatever you want to call it. But it really helped me to understand that this is for real. So was it so was there anything like other people that you met or how did you meet this investor or initially? Um, this is just a person that I knew in my community and I just reached out to him. He didn't really know me from Adam and um, I just knew of him, you know, being in business. And with the FedEx store help with getting some people in the store, you start learning some names and, you know, oh, that person owns that business. Oh, they're connected to that. I just knew of some names and, uh, and uh, that's how, you know, I met him through just kind of being aware of who does what and who owns what. So did you go, have you done any networking or anything like that prior to that? Mm, that's a good question. Uh, not really being, I was still driving and working full time, so I really did not have the opportunity to network. Uh, that just, my time, you know, still have family, still had kids at home, so not really. Um, no, and so, you know, primary advice would have been from the person that helped us out financially, uh, Dave at SBDC, and then the lady that leased the building. She was uh, a seasoned business lady, and it was just good to bounce things off of her and just talk. She's the one that got us connected to the SBDC, and... Uh, she is just a real person and, and made her mistakes, but also had her victories along the way. And that was good, just to have somebody to bounce ideas off and talk to. So over the 20 years of being in business, is there someone's advice that really kind of sticks out to you and that you, you turn to or kind of remember every day? Or, Well, yeah, that might take a little bit to think about, but I, I believe one of the things for me is the person that helped us out, you know, with the initial money to get things going. So uh, we had the inventory. I was showing him my P&L statement one day and I was explaining some of the cost and I showed him one a line entry and I said, well, well, we can't use that line entry because I have to make adjustments on that and I'm not done yet. 
And he kind of frowned on me, and he looked at me, and he said, I don't work off of P&L statements that you got to adjust. It either works or I don't. He says, I live in the real world. Show me real numbers. And that kind of stuck with me. And it has to this day that when I'm working on my P&L, I always strive to make sure the entries are true. And I'm still doing that, and I'll be working on that this week. I'm making sure every line item matches up exactly the way it's supposed to. And that, that has really driven me over the years. So, you know, when, when people talk, talk about investors, you know, not only is it the money that they give you, it's also the advice that they give you as well. They're investing their time and their money into today. Is that something you agree with? Yeah, because at least for me, this guy, um, he he didn't spend a lot of time, wasn't hands-on with me, but the, the time I did spend with him, even though it was short, you know, um, because he's got a lot going on. He has, only has, you know, so much time and, and messed around with me and what I got going on probably cost him more money than you know he, he made and you know he made a lot more money dealing with his stuff he did day to day but when you sit down with these people even if it's five minutes or 15 minutes you usually learn something you usually pick up something so the value and and to knowing these people is, is wonderful so you know maybe not loaning money from somebody that sees them, maybe just, you know, having somebody to talk to or mentor, uh, you know, has value. I've never really had a mentor in this business. I've just had people I've talked to over the years that I trust, and, and that's worked out well for me. So we'll get into kind of talking about this uh, fourth location, the one at O'Malley Drive in Coopersville. Um, so it was a space that you said you found because your investor recommended that you get into more of a professional space. Um, as you've told your story, you know, trucks have kind of been a recurring theme of trying to get the freight in, get the freight out. So your investor quickly showed you that, hey, we need to get a location where you can get trucks in and out. You can load pallets, get pallets on the trucks. Um, so this is a space that you shared with other uh, businesses and business owners. Could you kind of like paint a picture of what it looked like, tastes like, felt like that first day when you opened the door and that was your own space? Yeah, this was a warehouse like you see in what they call a business park. It's a metal building, I don't know, several hundred feet wide, several hundred feet square. And it had a front set of offices and two open area offices that would have cubes in them. And they weren't real big, uh, I don't know, 50 by 100 feet, I, I'm not sure how big. So the idea was that it, the very first day when we got there, we had uh, part of an office. So I think we had like a couple cubes. And in fact, we didn't have a couple, that room, we had a room. So there's two rooms. And we didn't have to divide. We got that whole room to ourselves. So we had a, about a 20 by 20 foot room and we had a space in the warehouse that they gave us. And that was what we started out with. So we stored the goods out in the warehouse 
and then we had to bring him through a door because it was all one level and then into that office and in that office we set up our banquet tables again and we folded and packed on the banquet tables and we didn't set up an office or anything we just put a phone on uh, on one of the banquet tables and we used that to answer phone calls and we put stuff, the smaller items, on the floor, much like we did in the garage and the other place. And then our items out in the warehouse, we set on pallets. We didn't have shelves, so we set items on the pallets. And that's what it looked like, our first location. It, it, you know, basically, we're working out of an open office. So in this location, there's a lot of things that went on during this time period as well. Um, you started making your own product. You started working in the business full time. Um, and there's some other things that went on. Um, you know, we might not be able to touch on them all today, but let's talk about the decision of starting to basically make your own, man, you know, own towels. And you transitioned from just buying the this goods and then selling them. Now you're processing them. Kind of tell us what kind of driven that decision. Yeah, well, let me back up a little bit. First, this location was a game changer because I was saying that when we were at the previous location, you were, you referred to as a post office because one of the stores in the strip mall, we were actually in an old strip mall. One of the stores was a post office and we had the other ones, the other, I guess, stores in the, the older strip mall. but. When we were in that location, we landed our first big account. And that account would buy, I believe, two pallets of goods, and we would haul them over to uh, this feed elevator, and they would load them on a semi. And it would take us nearly a week to produce that order. When we moved over to the Coopersville or the O'Malley, you know, you, you call it O'Malley Warehouse, that warehouse, we were able to get the order down, I believe, in two to three days, about three days we could, we could ship it. And when we were at the original location, we first got the order, we'd bring in extra help. We'd call family, friends, people from church we knew, anybody we could drag in just for that order. And we'd ramp up to maybe 12 to 15 people just to get that order out. When we moved over to the Amalie and we would get that order in, we didn't add any extra people. So we shortened our time by moving there. Plus, we ne we stopped calling in extra help. So um, that was a game changer on far as that first location. Because it's really, it's reducing your overhead by, you know, taking less people and it's also helping your cash flow, your operating cash flow, because you're getting the order, getting the cash in as soon as possible. Yeah, and that place had a dock, so we didn't have to, um, you know, put the boxes on a pickup or a minivan. Uh, is laid out, you know, the banquet tables were laid out a little more efficient. We didn't have to walk as far. Uh, we eliminated quite a bit of waste, and, and it really helped us out. So what was kind of the decision point for trying to produce your own product? Well, because of the seconds, we do inspect everything that we ship and the seconds were really piling up. And I, I was selling them to cleaning companies and things like that, but I was producing more seconds than I could sell. And 
when we moved over to this new location, we started a little bit producing our own towels, uh, um, buying the raw product, bringing it in, having a process, just kind of in the beginning stages. But when we moved over to the O'Malley, then we really started kicking it in, started setting up a, a route to a place that could process the towels. We bought our first full-size van at this location. So we were able to put the bales, because we get them in bales, we were able to put the bales on the van, drive out to the processing plant, and we were starting to able to set up systems at this new place. So how did you, what was the decision process like, or the discovery process of like, okay, I can go from buying the product finished to buying the product raw and then how do you find somebody to produce that product because if people know or do not know we are located in michigan and michigan is not the heart of textile country even if such a thing exists in this country anymore you know your textiles are produced in la tennessee georgia the carolinas um not in Michigan. Um, there's some textile going on in Minnesota a little bit, but mainly not in Michigan. So how did that look like? And what did you think about when you were trying to produce these towels for yourself? Yeah, that was a huge learning curve. Basically, I had to self-teach myself. I had to learn about fabric, manufacturing, logistics, getting it in, getting it out. Uh, I, I just had to learn from ground up and to just trial by error what worked, what did not work, um, talking to customers, sending them samples, and just kind of slogging through it. And it wasn't easy, but I just kept at it until I finally made a, a finished product. So what was it like when you started to work, work uh, full-time in the business? Well, that wasn't for a while. That was, we were at O'Malley about a year, I believe. No, I, I guess you're right. It must have been a, yeah, it, was, it wasn't that long. It was about six months because basically with the efficiency and getting rid of a lot of the waste and, and just, I, the guy was right. We were more efficient. We got busier. It got harder to work full time. And I just had to make a decision one or the other. And I went back and talked to him about that. And he helped me out. And I wound up, um, you know, quitting my full time job and putting all my energy towards uh, working full time. So it was, he was right. It really did fundamentally change the business, getting into a space where we could start operating more efficiently. So what was day one like when you you woke up and you knew that instead of going to the truck, you're going to your own business? That was great. Uh, actually, I still enjoy it. I, it's, it's nice to know and I'm very grateful. I don't take it for granted one day. And I just appreciate that that's something that I get to do. And uh, there was no sense of, you know, regret or uh, fear or anything like that. It was just I was grateful for the opportunity and I just showed up and worked hard like any other job. So there wasn't like also like, oh, my gosh, what did I get myself into? Because, you know, driving truck, you you know, and having other people run run and manage the business for you in some aspects, um, you're still kind of separated. Now you're 
completely integrated, it might be a little bit different than some people that have a business on the side and say they work at programming and then at night they screen print. While they're in the business, you know, yes, you were in the business when you're home, but you know, Monday to Friday, you know, you were Topeka, Kentucky, wherever, you know, dropping off freight. So, you know, that must have been kind of a big shift for you because now you're fully touching the business 40 plus hours a week. Yeah, and that's a good point. Uh, yeah. <sighs> Going, you know, changing and working full time and and having to produce your own income. Yeah, that 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 was a, a game changer. Um, and I had a thought on that because there's really something pertinent to that your your question. Because you're, you know, you're you're really touching and feeling the business as you know, compared to you know somebody else that you know, because like somebody that works at their business at night or on the side, you know, they work an office job or work a factory job or work a warehouse job. They still have that time. Say they work nine to five at a bank, at five, you know, five to ten, they're at home at working. Where you, you know, you really didn't touch the business except for the the every couple of weeks. And so now, you know, you're doing dealing with all the particulars, you know, packing each individual order, getting the, the boxes out. And, you know, now you had some employees with you, but now there's an extra set of hands. And how do you kind of manage that? that and how do you manage that culture with you going from just being, you know, somebody that's over the phone to somebody that's now here every day? Yeah. And, and there's a couple things going on there when I did decide to go full time is one thing is I never took any money out of the business. And at this point, the business was, I believe, about 10 or 11 years old. So all that time, I did not take any money. I didn't take like a bonus or a um, couple hundred dollars here or there or whatever. I, that just didn't happen. I put everything back. So now actually drawing money out of the business felt kind of weird and seemed different to me and also uh, put a little stress on the business as far as cash flow and managing it because instead of having that extra money for inventory or push it back through basically you're now that much less each month so that that changed as far as the accounting and then far as the culture and the employees, I think that was an adjustment for them because I think they liked it with me being on the road and gone and they could basically run the shop the way they want to. And, and it wasn't they did a bad job, they did a good job. There, I had two women that worked there uh, almost full time and they, they did a good job, but all of a sudden now there's a third person there. That did change things a little bit. Well, I think there's a lot of things that we can still cover over in this location um, and kind of this time period of the business and a lot of other things we can talk about and try and discuss and maybe we can try and teach teach people along the way or maybe somebody can just kind of pick up some advice. Um, did you have any other thoughts before we wrapped up? Not really. I just, some of these things I haven't thought about in a while, but 
you know, the, the biggest thing, for whatever reason, eliminating ways and becoming more efficient really changed the, our, our business. That was, that really affected us. And um, yeah, there's, I guess, quite a bit to talk about. There's a lot of things that at that location that made us who we are now. Yeah, and I think that's kind of the purpose of this, you know, and, and you know what we're talking about. And as we've learned, you know, recently through the Toyota production system, is the idea of hindsight and reflecting. And this, and that's the idea of reflecting and taking the things that we've learned in the past and applying that to the future, and then trying to develop and make those better decisions, and you know, have a more productive and efficient business. Exactly. Exactly. I agree. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of All Thread Voice. Hopefully you learned something as Ted and I talked about his journey of running American Chair Store, also known as All Thread Inc. We'd like to receive your feedback, and the email is show at allthreadinc.com. The email again is show at allthreadinc.com. Thank you for listening to this episode, and thank you for su- subscribing to the podcast, and all the positive feedback we've received has helped us greatly. Thank you. Stay safe and stay healthy and have a great week.